Hey, welcome to the C3 Victory Podcast. We're praying this message encourages you, grows your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Have you ever wondered what the key to your calling is? Your purpose, your mission, your why? Well, today we are going to examine that exact question and setting is a little different to usual, not coming to you from our Sunday service, mainly because we had a little bit of a technical difficulty on Sunday. If you were watching online, our apologies, but here you go. This is the message from Sunday re-recorded for you so that you don't miss discovering the key to your calling. This is week one in our creative, creative, in our captive cause series. Let me get the series title right. Coming out of our vision, which is that we would all Every one of us as a part of the body of Christ be captive to the cause that Christ has for our lives. That just like Paul, who was actually willing to be a captive, he was willing to go to prison for the sake of the gospel, that we would be so captive to the cause of Christ that we would be willing to go to all sorts of lengths to see the cause fulfilled in and through us. So let's examine some scripture today that is going to kick off our series the next four weeks. But this one is so important. We wanted to make sure it went out and everyone had access to it. So here we go. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God, which is so incredibly amazing to consider that the thing that is on our life has been positioned, placed. It is is actually from God himself. And a second scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 44. It says this, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And in the last days, I will raise them up. There's Jesus saying no one can actually come to him unless the Father first draws them to him. Amazing. Amazing. So I don't know if you've ever done any renovating in in your lifetime. Houses, you know, put on extra addition, built a deck maybe. Who knows? I know that over the course of my life, I've done a fair amount of renovating. Nothing hugely significant, built a deck, those sorts of things. But I do know that one of the most important things to do before you actually start to add the addition onto your home is that you check the foundations, right? You, you ensure that you have uh, had a look, make sure that they are still straight, still are secure, still stable. They're not like on a lean or anything like that. Um, I have a funny story actually, when I was in high school, I studied design and technology and the whole, the whole idea of that subject, right, is that you essentially solve a problem. You come up, you design a solution for a problem in your life. And uh, for me at the time, I was very much into rock climbing and one of my problems was that uh, not only was it expensive to go, but I had to drive, obviously. And so I was like, it'd be great to have a, a local, easy to access solution that I could that I could go climbing on. Long story short, I eventually designed these in-home modular climbing walls. And as a part of the subject, you have to bring your solution in, uh, set it up so that the markers can come and look at your portfolio, your design process in coming up with the solution and then your final product. And so, you know, Here's these, here's these significant, these major sort of pieces of rock climbing wall that I had to get to the school, managed to do that. Uh, and then I had to set them up inside a classroom 
and then I had to go away. I can't be there when the markers are there. Uh, but the markers came in and uh, I, had, I had strung them up with a series of ropes thinking, you know, well, I'm like rock climbing, I know, I know ropes, I know knots. Uh, a friend of mine used to say, if you don't know knots, do lots. But I knew knots, so I thought I was safe. And um, I, I had strung them up and I was sure these things, you know, as long as the, no one touches them, which is the caveat on this, as long as no one touches them, unfortunately someone did touch them, one of the markers, I'm not sure what they did exactly, whether they tried to have a little climb or whatever, but I found out that afternoon that not only had the rock climb walls moved a little bit, but actually one of them had completely fallen on one of the markers, and still to this day, I'm not sure how I got the mark I did, it was, uh, I, I did quite well, but uh, because I was like, I'm sure that with that sort of a situation, I was going to be marked down. But it reminds me of the importance to have things, additions. This is a rock line was like a, it was an addition. It was leaning out of, uh, attached properly to the foundational structure, in this case, of the building. When I installed them at home in my house, I actually attached them directly to the foundational structure of our house to make sure that they were secure, that when I hung on those, those rock climbing holes, when I was, my body weight was hanging off the wall, that that rock climbing wall was actually secure to uh, the, the, the foundations. Not only that, but that the foundations were strong and stable. And the thing with finding our calling is that often we, we think of it as this nebulous, strange, concept. I've got to find my, my calling. We hear that language a lot in church circles, particularly uh, say in youth ministry where we encourage our young people, oh, you've got to find your calling, find the thing that God's called you to in this life. And I know, I know for me that there is some importance in that, but what is more important than finding your, your calling is ensuring that what we do is actually connected properly to our foundation. See, often I think what we've done is we've, we've used this idea calling and in doing so we've sent people on a journey of trying to discover what they're supposed to do, but in, in that process they end up disconnected from the foundation of who they are in, in Christ. We have, unfortunately, at times I think disempowered and disconnected many people uh, by a misunderstanding of this concept of calling. We talk about it, we, we, we direct people into it, we encourage people to pursue it, which are all good things, but the reality is that calling is actually less a destination. It's less a place that we're trying to arrive at. It's less a place that we're trying to get to, and it's far more a revelation, a revelation that you have been called. It's this understanding that out of that scripture in Ephesians that, that doesn't necessarily call us to pursue a destination. Yes, Paul says live a life worthy of, the, the, the calling, but the calling is from God. It is, it's a revelation of something that God has placed or, or, or put on us. It's, it's, it's something from Him uh, rather than something that we're trying to get to. It's a revelation of what we are. We have been called. It's, uh, it, it, it's who we are. And I know that for, for our vision, which is that every one of us would be, would be on mission, would be, would be captive to the cause of Christ and, and be living our lives in such a way that that cause would permeate right through us, there is a danger that if we do not appropriately discuss or appropriately ensure that the foundation of calling is secure, 
all we will do is add additions to our life or, or, or other components onto our life in such a way that ends up being detrimental to our life. Because if, if we were to build a, a, an extra room on our house and we didn't check the foundations, we didn't check the, 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 the pillars that our house was sitting on and some are wonky, some you put, you put a big addition on, that thing's gonna start moving, it's gonna come down, cracks are gonna appear, all sorts of things. And so I need you to know that this morning's message is so important because it is a message aimed at your foundation so that you are properly positioned to pursue, to discover some key components of the cause that you are now all about as a born again believer. Your life, all that it encompasses, should be lived in such a way because you understand that you have been called. That, that revelation should be the thing that permeates every other aspect of our life. I live as a, as a husband, I live as a father, I lived uh, prior to my, my marriage as a single person, I lived in such a way because I was called by God. It's not a destination, it's the foundation. It is that idea that we have been called is the bedrock of how we approach our life. The New Testament itself is actually, it's full, it's, it's packed full of, of this term calling. Uh, if you read through Paul's letters, if you read through Peter's letters, if you read through all these other things, you will find that this term calling is used a lot. It's actually a, a really key part of the New Testament for Paul in particular. But historically, we, what we've done is we've reduced this term to an action. We've, re we've reduced our understanding, we've, re we've reduced the, the concept of calling down to what we do. Like It's like mission, like calling and mission have become interchangeable. And I would, I would say this morning that actually, actually there is distinction in those that's really important that we understand. Because for, for this idea of calling, its significance is actually way deeper. Its reality is way deeper than just an action. It's way deeper than just what we do. The understanding that we have of this must begin before we do anything else. This revelation that you have been called by God is so significant. Our understanding of this underpins then every approach that we take to the things of God and His kingdom. Here's where some of our foundations go wonky, right? Uh, firstly, when did you first hear you've been called by God, right? I know for me, it's youth ministry, uh, and it was like, you've got a calling, right? Not you have been called, but you've got a calling. Or, or maybe it was a, a, you, in your salvation, um, uh, or, or looking for your career, maybe in your marriage, those sorts of things. I don't know. Uh, but Galatians, Paul writes in Galatians this really, really interesting thing where he says in chapter 1, verse 15, and verse 16, he says this. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. There is some really important truth to take out of this small statement by Paul where it says, Firstly, before I was born, God chose me and called me. So that's way earlier than any other, you know, it's not, it's not, you don't find your calling in youth ministry. You don't hear about your calling in your career. No, no, no. 
before you were born, God chose you and he called you. It says that that doing that pleased God, which is amazing. Not only that, but post that, it then says, so that I would proclaim. So there there is an accompanying understanding of appointment. There is action involved in this, but we have to have our foundation right first and foremost. And that is, as as Paul says, before you were born, the call of God was in operation on your life. So when we read that, we should ask ourselves a question. We should ask the question, well, what call? What call was it that was in action before I was even born? And the answer is, it was the call to him. The call to Christ, this this. This call to be with him, right? Just like we read at the beginning in John 6, this no one can come to Jesus unless they are first called to him by the Father. This, this idea of being called to Christ, called to salvation, called to relationship that every single person on the face of the planet before they were ever born was chosen to be in relationship with God, was called to be in relationship with God and was, was beckoned by the Father to be in relationship with God right up to the point in which we have a choice to be in relationship with God, which does not at any point undermine the fact that we, every single person, was chosen and called. We get to choose, but God called every single one of us. This, this, this bigger term, if you will, that, that, that really explains this being called by God to Him, this being called by the Father to Jesus, the term we use for this is prevenient grace. I really want you to understand this term, prevenient grace. It is the act of the grace of God on our lives prior to our response to Him, prior to our moment of salvation. It is the grace of God at work on our lives. So most of us are familiar. If we're a believer, we are familiar with the fact that the grace of God is on our lives because of the blood of Christ on the cross. Our sin has been forgiven. We operate in the, 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 the undeserved favor, merit of God. It's His grace on our lives. Most of us understand that. We understand the post-salvation grace of God. But prevenient grace is this understanding that the grace of God was actually in operation prior to that in the beckoning of God in you to the point that you might have an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And this this prevenient grace, we see it, this beckoning of God. We see it in in creation. Romans, it talks about this idea of the general revelation that even in creation, we can see that there is a God. That even in creation, the depth that we can see that there is a a creator at work and it it draws us, it beckons us to ask who he is. In in, in coincidence, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in the the beautiful fingerprints of God in and through our lives. It's in the experiences that we have prior to our salvation. It's in, it's in the conversations, the, the situations, all of these things that it's, it's in hindsight. It's, 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 we get saved and we look back and we go, oh my goodness, I see the hand of God at work. I see the grace of God on my life in that situation and that situation and that situation because God was beckoning. He was moving me. He was, he was drawing me into an opportunity to respond to Jesus and receive salvation. Prevenient 
grace. I know for me, I see it in the things like, like the situation uh, where, where I, I, I woke up on, on the morning that I went to church and, 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 you know, normally, obviously sleeping in my room, but that morning hadn't quite made it to my room that night. I was on the sleep on the couch in the lounge room. My brother comes downstairs and, and, and you know, asks me if I want to go to church with him. I mean, there's, there's so many things in that. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a regular. So there's a, it's like a sporadic moment of his decision to go to church meets my moment of sleeping on the couch the night before. It's in, I see prevenient grace all the way through where God is, is at work in the circumstances to draw us into the opportunities to be drawn to him. And what we see this this prevenient grace, we see this macro uh, 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 grace of God that is at work in and through our lives before we were, from, from before we were even born where he chose us and, and called us and was calling and drawing and drawing and drawing us to himself. We see this macro concept played out on a micro level with the disciples. Through, through the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, for instance, it tells us a number of times that Jesus has these interactions with the disciples. He has these interactions where he's like, hey, you know, come follow me. Hey, Peter, here's a miraculous catch of fish. Come follow me. Hey, Matthew, come follow me. And, then, but, and, and so there's these beckonings to the life of, of the believer. There's these beckonings into the, the salvation and the journey of the disciple with Jesus. There's these, there's these moments throughout even the beginning of the gospel, this beckoning to the disciples. And, and Mark 3, it kind of comes all to a head. Mark 3, chapter, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, is the account, the single moment where, where Jesus uh, there's a whole mountainside probably of, of, of all these disciples, all these people that have chosen to, to follow him. And it says that Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones that he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. And then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They would accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And it says, these are the 12 he chose. So these are not the 12 he chose before, before every one of us is chosen and called into a moment to, to, for, to receive salvation. Uh, but in this moment, we see uh, kind of a, that drawing coming to a climax, a pinnacle moment where Jesus says, hey, right now you have an opportunity to actually choose to step into an appointment. You have, you have a choice to step into relationship with me, step into becoming an apostle of the new covenant, uh, step into becoming something beyond. Um, and, and it is this moment that for us, we look at and go, we have been drawn into a moment of salvation opportunity. And the question is, will you choose? And so we, we might be chosen by God, but we are drawn into a point of now I choose. I choose. We are, we are drawn to the, the door of salvation, but God cannot open that for us. We must choose to go through him. You know, in, in church, we talk about, oh, I chose Jesus. Sorry to burst your bubble, but you, you kind of didn't. He chose you before you were even born. Then, then he was at work in your life, calling you all the way to the point that you were so close to him that then you're, oh, I chose Jesus 
you're talking like the, the most minute percentage of the journey was your choice. But it was still your choice because God will not take our free will. In fact, he gives every single one of us a choice to, to, to respond to the beckoning, the prevenient grace that has been at work on our lives for all of our lives right up until that point. And there's times where we are, we are allowing it to move us closer or maybe we're working against it. We don't even know. It's only in hindsight that we see how we're responding and operating within the prevenient grace of God. But it brings us to this opportunity for salvation. The drawing of God. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians says this. Chapter 2, verse 14. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. And now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that scripture that we read in Galatians, where Paul says, before I was born, he chose me and called me. Paul now says, this is what that final step looks like in that whole journey of prevenient grace all the way through. It says, in that moment then, in that moment, you were called to a moment of salvation by being told the gospel. The moment you enter some place where you are, you are given that opportunity, you are told the gospel that Jesus died for you, he rose again, and you are given that opportunity to say, I believe it. That is the, the moment in which prevenient grace is moving you to so that you might receive Christ. The primary concept of calling in the New Testament, the primary concept of calling in the New Testament is not what we do. But it is who we are called to. Not what we do, but who. We are called to salvation. We are called to Christ. The whole of our lives, the prevenient grace is in operation to call us into relationship with Jesus. And we have, we have gone astray when we have tried to add a do onto our lives for Him before we are secure and stable in our relationship with Him. Before we understand that we are called to be with Him, we have tried to find out what we are called to do for Him and we have gone off and been filled ourselves with activity and striving and trying and all of these things and, and misunderstood that the first, foremost, primary concept of calling is being called to salvation because that is the eternally that is our eternal security that is eternity with Jesus that is being brought into the family of God the kingdom of heaven that is the it is the most important thing what we do for him has significance absolutely but not at the expense of our eternal security in the kingdom of heaven our eternal salvation that is the primary thing that is the most important thing and that is what we are first called Two, you are called to him personally, his kingdom, his family, his purpose, his body, all of these things. And just like the disciples in Mark, when that call comes, we have a choice to respond. Are we going to choose him? Are we going to choose to say yes to him? And for those of us that have, what occurs is we then step into relationship with him. And yes, from that moment, we receive, as the disciples did, we receive an appointment. We receive an appointment, a, a, an appointment that is to do with the mission of the kingdom of heaven. It is to do with the cause of Christ. And our vision is all about the fact that whatever that is for each of us, whatever that appointment is, we would be so taken 
by that appointment that we'd be willing to go to all sorts of ends to see that happen because we are captive to the cause of Christ. But can I tell you, we cannot be captive to the cause of Christ if we are not walking in secure and stable relationship with Him. Everything permeates from relationship with Him. Our core, our appointment, the what we do for Him has its reason in Him. It has its value in Him. Going, going, uh, going and doing, oh, oh, there's so many things that I could name that we do for Him. Some of us do amazing businesses, amazing mission work. We're in education. We're in politics. We're in all of these spaces. And we, we, we start as, as feeling as though they are God-directed. But, but often what happens is, is we, we strive so hard for them that we lose walking with Him in it. And you know, the reason I believe that being called to Him is the most important is because it is in being called to him that we actually receive all of the things that otherwise we try to get from the things that we do for him. I'm talking about your value. I'm talking about your sense of significance. I'm talking about your worth. I'm talking about feeling accepted. I'm talking about these things that we, we actually get in Eternally, we, we, we get because before we were born, God called us. He chose you. He chose you. The, 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 the un- immeasurable value that comes with knowing that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, chose you before you were born to have you a part of his family. He so desired you to be a part of his family that he sent Jesus to die on a cross so you could. He, he so valued. He so wanted. There is so much acceptance in that to know that you are so fully accepted by him in Christ, that you are so valuable to him, that you are so significant to him. What happens so often in, in, in church life is that we try to attribute or we try to get significance from what we do. And because of that, because of that, what happens is that we misunderstand the fact that there is distinction in appointment. We see it in Mark. He only chooses 12 and those 12 are apostles. None of the others got that appointment. There is distinction in appointment. And if we're not careful and if we utilize appointment to get acceptance or we utilize appointment to get value or we utilize appointment to get significance, we will constantly be in comparison and we will constantly be trying to get from what we do the things that we are supposed to get secure and stable when we are in Him. The calling to be with Him and in Him is what should give us all that we need in acceptance, significance, being uh, our need to be loved and valued, all of those things are found in Him, not in what we do. And so then we are free to enjoy and free to do what we have been appointed to do, not strive to do something someone else has appointed been appointed to do because we we need significance or we need acceptance or we need to get a sense of value from that or from that or from that. No, 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 no. We are totally secure because we are so significant to God the Father that, uh, because He chose us and He called us and He sent His Son for us. And now we have said yes to that and we are fully loved, fully accepted, never rejected in Christ. We are called to him. You know, in, in Matthew 22, verse 14, it says, it says, For many are called, but few 
are chosen. That, that chosen, it's, it's actually, it's a result of, of, of us responding to his, his call. We become then in, in, in the chosen, but it's not that, that only a few are, are chosen. We know from Paul that all are chosen to be called before we were even born. We have to put this verse in its right context, the context being a parable about salvation. This is a soteriological parable. It's about salvation. It's about how we actually move through into eternity with Christ. And it's saying that there's a wedding and these people were invited and they didn't want to come. Israelites, but now it's open to everyone. This is, the, this is the invitation of the Gentiles. Everybody is invited into the wedding feast. Everyone is invited into the kingdom of heaven. However, we, 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 once we respond, Jesus says there was this person who was dressed wrong. And we've got to understand that that's not, that's not about what clothing we wear to church. okay? Uh, but what this is about is what we clothe ourselves in to be an appropriate guest at the wedding, which is, which is eternity. What we clothe ourselves in has to be the garment of the righteousness of Christ. We can't clothe ourselves in the things that we try to do. James says to us, faith without works is dead, right? But Paul says it's not by works, it's by faith. The garment has to be faith. It has to be the, 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 the acceptance of what Jesus has done for us. That is the only garment that we can wear to the, the bridegroom of heaven's wedding, the invitation to receive Christ as our Savior, we, 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 when we say yes to that, we put on robes of righteousness. Scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin, so we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The only thing that makes us a part of the chosen is the robes of righteousness, not what we have done for him. Our, 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 our list of, of what we've done, our achievements, the, the things that we so pursue under the banner of calling, right? They don't get us into heaven. It's only relationship with Jesus. That is the only clothing that we can wear that makes us appropriately dressed for the kingdom of heaven. Now, the things we do are important. We're actually going to get onto that next week. They have significance, but not for our salvation, not for our foundation. Our foundation must be in Christ and Christ alone. It must be by grace, in, like through faith. It has to be that, that He has done it for us. Nothing that I can do. It is not by works. It is by faith. Next week, we're going to look at the fact that but that faith has works. It has an appointment. It has a mission. So uh, come, come Sunday next week. It's going to be fantastic. I want to, I want to finish by saying this. Lots of us lose the significance of to him, in him, and with him in the pursuit of for him. And the key to your calling, I said, I said today we're going to unpack that. The key to your calling is that you are called to him. Everything else will come from that. Everything else will always flow from that. The life needed, the strength, the power, everything you need to do, all of that, it comes from him. Don't get so busy with, 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 with for him that you lose him. You are first and foremost called to him. You are called to salvation. You are called to be in him. You are called to walk with him. That is our foundation. Let's not start attaching things to it until we have that solid and secure. You are chosen to be called. We get a response to that. It's salvation. 
the moment we say yes, the moment like the disciples that they said, okay, I'm, I'm coming, the moment we say yes, we do. We get appointed to that which God chose you for before you were born. You were chosen and you were called. And when you say yes in relationship with him, he moves you into positions of effectiveness based on what he chose you for before you were even born. You were chosen to be called so you could step into an appointment as someone who is chosen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming messages. We would love for you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.